And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Seven fifty-five is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty. Is on the air now. Welcome back to Seven Fifty-Five is Real, presented by Tops. On check out Tops Project Seventy, celebrating seventy years of Tops baseball cards. I'm David O'Brien, Braves writer for the Athletic. This is my modulated radio voice. I'm with my co-host, Eric O'Flaherty, former Braves reliever. What's up, Eric? How you doing, man? I'll get out of that bullshit. <laughs> Throwing me off. I'm good. I'm good. Got a heat oh. wave coming out here on the West Coast. It's going to be no 115. Kid. No, really? Yeah. It's like 110, 110, 110, 115. Dude, you're missing days. Seattle about right now, aren't you? No, Seattle's 102. Wow. I didn't even know it got to 100 in Seattle. It doesn't. Wow. Yeah, well, it does now, huh? Yeah. Jeez. I'm in Cincinnati. It's actually not bad here. Uh, about 70 uh, last late, late last night. Pretty cool. Well, we'll get to the Braves in a little bit, but I had, I had to ask you, man, as unlikely as Ronald Acuna Jr. is as a leadoff guy, how about Kyle Schwarber as a leadoff guy? And what he is doing. I don't I mean, same with Acuna, man. I don't know. You know, for whatever reason, it just clicks. Yeah. Yeah. You it's got to be I right. Mean, right. The last resort it. or whatever. You do it. And suddenly a guy, you catch lightning in a bottle. And I mean, Kyle Schwarber, he might be one of the last 10 guys I'd say to lead off. Ever. Yeah. He can run, though. He, he looks thick, but he, he can run right. still. He's not slow. That dude could have been a fullback, man. Yeah, he can he can run. Well, here's what he's done. Schwarber only hit 188 with 11 homers and a 701 OPS last season with the Cubs. Struck out 66 times, 224 bats, right? Bad year. They let him go via free agency. He signs late with the National. It was pretty late, wasn't it, with the Nats, if I remember correctly? Because he was out yeah, there for a while. Anyway, he signed one-year deal with the Nats for $10 million. Braves, anybody else could have had it. He told their GM, Mike Rizzo, I'm going to give you everything I've got. I'm going to invest myself into winning. All right. A lot of guys say that kind of thing when they sign. But yeah, cool. not quite halfway through the season, the dude is absolutely raking with the Cubs. He's the hottest hitter in, in baseball the last couple of weeks. But the surprising thing is this move to leadoff, which came a couple of weeks ago. He did it a couple of times. Then they, then they popped him out of there for a game or two. And then they moved him back in it. And since they moved him back into it, he and the Nats, or he's raking for the Nats, I said for the Cubs, he and the Nats have been on fire. And really, this they've won 10 out of 11 games, and it coincides. I'm not saying it's entirely because of him, but it coincides with his full-time move to the leadoff spot. And he is more than making up for the, for the sluggish start of Juan Soto, I tell you that. He's joined Acuna, I think, is the most dangerous leadoff hitters in the game right now. And both of them are you know, similarly unlikely, except Schwarber doesn't run like Acuna does. Not he like can Acuna. Run. He can run, but he doesn't, he doesn't steal no. bases, though, at no. all. He's got four stolen bases in eight attempts over the past three seasons combined. So just to give you some context on that. But here's what he's listed at six foot and 230. He hit... For the year, he's only hitting 245. Eh, you know, in today's game, that's not a big deal. 330 OPS or OBP for the season. But he's got 21 home runs, 545, 544 slug, and an 874 OPS. All right, good, real good. But then just listen to these totals in his 13 games from the leadoff spot 347, 411 OBP, 12 home runs, 1082 slug, and 1492 OPS. No, it's not sustainable. We know that. But it's insane what he's doing lately. And like I said, the Nats are surging right now. 
And the Braves got to look out, or they're going to be up there with building that lead like the Mets have had. I mean, it's something about, you know, you lead off the game, even as a pitcher, you know, you, you're just so accustomed to facing a guy that's going to take pitches and, and probably not do a ton of damage. You're trying to find your footing, so you throw a get-me-over slider or something like that. You know, you're kind of used to having a guy that, worst-case scenario, is a single, and then you got to worry about him on base. Some of these guys are throwing in that leadoff spot that can do yeah. damage. I mean, it's it's just immediate pressure for pitchers, which I don't – you know, I'm not going to say that's why, but it seems like same thing with Acuna. I don't know how many times or why he gets a first-pitch fastball to start the game middle in. Yeah. And you're thinking, you know, what in the <laughs> world is the pitching coach telling these dudes? And it keeps happening. He keeps getting a pitch to hit to start the game. I mean, I would it, I would almost tell my my pitchers it's a $5,000 fine if you throw a first pitch strike to Acuña. <laughs> you know, but then you're behind him and you and you got to work from behind in the count, but I think yeah. starting off a game, you're just as a pitcher, you're so used to getting a free strike early. Right. And the the, the home run threat being there right away, I think it just puts a different pressure on him. Yeah, I mean the classic leadoff guy is going to go up there, battle, get a get a slap a single or whatever. Like you said, everybody kind of eases into the game. The pitcher, the hitter. There's no easing into it. <laughs> and, and and Acuna goes up there beginning at home with that music that he plays, that great that walk up music, and it's like a warning to everybody, like at a like like at a, a theater when the lights go, you know, the, the yep. curtains getting ready to go up. It's like a warning that sick that music at home. You better find your seats because Acuna is going to be. Hack yep. it from get go. Yep. <laughs> but uh, so the night Nats have won ten of eleven since Schwarber moved permanently. Since Schwarber moved permanently to the leadoff spot, like I assume it's permanent. He's been at eleven straight games. In those eleven straight games, the dude is sixteen for forty three, three seventy two average. Eleven of the sixteen hits have been home runs, and you don't do that in a high school game, a little no. league game. The big dude Kelly Leak doesn't do that in the you know the the little league game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't I, I don't homes. really have any insight into that one. You know what I mean? It's it's just yeah. one of those things that He's it's cool fire. to talk about, but it doesn't make sense. No, eleven homers, twenty two ribbies, fifteen sixty eight OPS in an eleven game span from the leadoff spot. I mean, has that surge for him started with a two homer four RBI game, and then last night. Another two two uh, homer four RBI game in the Nats seven to three win against the Marlins. So it's going to be interesting to see how long it can it can keep it up. It's obviously not going to last forever, but they're riding him right now. And here's the scary thing for for the rest of the division: the Nats during this ten to one surge, the pitchers have a two point eight four ERA, eighty six strikeouts, twenty four walks, ninety five innings. Max Scherzer, Scherzer got a lot of shush. Schwarber, Scherzer, Max Scherzer <laughs> pitched only one time in that 11 game stretch and Strasburg, not at all. Obviously he's still in the IL and Scherzer was just a minor thing with the growing. He came back and dealt in his one game in that. But the point is those guys haven't been responsible for it. They're getting pitching from some other guy, a lot of other guys. Yeah. I don't know. The Nats don't, the Nats don't really, they don't scare me, especially with, with uh, Strasburg out. They haven't been the same team the last few years. The only thing that really scares me right now is if Lindor gets hot for the Mets. You know, and he showed, he showed that he had the one game to. against the Braves. He had the yeah. one game against the Braves. We'll see if he can do it. But yeah, I'm with you. He's he's due to go crazy. I mean, the second half. Yeah. But man, I tell you what, it's weird. He, I know he never imagined. He's probably told how hard the New York fans can be, but why is he going to worry about that? He's never had to worry about getting booed. He's been so good, but they boo him mercilessly. He'll ground out or strike out in the first Still. inning. Still booed. Yes. Yeah. He'll strike out in the first inning gets booed walking off the field. They're relentless. This is a guy that's the franchise for the next however many years, you know? Or they better be the franchise. <laughs> well, I guess, I mean, you could feel free to boo him because you know he can't go anywhere. Yeah. You yeah, might not do that as much that. as a free agent, but. But I tell you what, the difference in that and, and, and virtually any other city except maybe Philly, but Ronald Acuna could have could go 20 games without a hit and he's, he's not, not going to get booed like that. There'll be scattered boos maybe, but they would not ever get booed like that. Freddie Freeman would never get booed walking off the field in Atlanta like that. Chipper no. Jones, never. So that's the difference in New York and some other places. I'm honestly trying to think of any player I remember getting booed in Atlanta. 
consistently. Maybe Dave Justice after he told the fans <laughs> to wake up, you know, during the World Series, but he silenced that in a hurry with that home run. He turned those yeah. into cheers. <laughs> yeah, he backed it up. Um, yeah, I mean, I understand what you're saying about them without Strasburg. They think Strasburg's going to be back in the second half, but I'm with you as far as Strasburg's got to prove it to me that he could be that guy again. But yeah, Scherzer has been Scherzer. He is uh, yeah. he's back to being Mad Max, which I didn't realize. You know, I didn't really know that he could do that still, but. He's not going seven, eight, nine innings every game. Nobody is these days. But uh, he's got a two one nine ERA for the season. One hundred and twelve strikeouts, eighteen walks, and eighty two and a third innings. I mean, there's just not many guys that do that anymore. No, he had a interesting, <laughs> interesting yeah. game last time out with the ump. Yeah. How, how about how about Girardi? Asking the ump to check his hair because he's going through his hair, but he wasn't sweating. And it's like he said, "I where else is he going to go to try to find sweat? Because pitchers have got to find some sweat because the only thing they use now is rosin." And yeah. you told, as you said, you gotta you gotta get that wet and to get it to get it tacky, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if it's if it's humid, it helps. But yeah, that's that's the thing. I just I don't think people understand because everybody's take is well, you could just not cheat. You know, it's like. You hear the pitcher saying they can't grip the ball and this and that, but it, it's something about the mud they use and the way they rub it up that the balls are almost slicker after they're they're rubbed up. So I mean, I, I get where the guy where the pitchers are coming from with wanting to use something to be able to grip it, um, but they just they took it to the extreme where they basically could climb a building like Spider Man, you know, yeah. with the with their fingertips. It was so sticky. So I think the league's doing the right thing, but the whole thing's just been kind of a disaster out there watching it unfold. Yeah, I don't, but, you know, yeah, for me, pitchers, pitchers throwing fits over getting checked. You know I mean? Yeah. It's just kind of like, that's just the situation the league's in now. They got to check them. Um, and they know just, they're going to get checked. So, you know, it's going to happen. I mean, you could just be cool to the ump. You don't have to shit on the ump, but sure. Oh, so I understood up. his frustration because he'd already been checked twice in the game. Girardi and, asked for another. And then the third time was mid inning. Right. Now, when Girardi, it's mid inning. He was yeah, Girardi. And he was mad at Girardi. That whole thing was hilarious, the way it played out. The coaches started yeah. yelling at each yeah. other. Yeah. Did you see Rizzo's comment about Girardi? Uh-uh. He called him a con man. <laughs> <laughs> Juicing up that rivalry, man. Yeah. Big time. He was ready to go at it. I mean, Girardi came out of the dugout, was yelling over the other dugout. It was, Yeah. I, I miss that. I miss I miss managers getting pissed about stuff coming on the field. I miss that. Yeah. I miss no, the it's emotion. Good. It's definitely good for baseball it's to have good things theater, like man. that. It's good theater. But I do some of the pitchers, do you think, are they just so jacked up? Some of them pitch at such a high level of adrenaline that when the umpire, all of a sudden, yeah. it's like, whoa, get out. That's the, You're in my sphere, man. Yeah, you definitely – I mean, you go into a different mental space when you're out there. You know, all the adrenaline. Uh-huh. And you see guys that are the most chill dudes on the planet go out and just lose their minds on the field. Cause it, it's, you know, they just, they kind of flip a switch and go into a different place. Yeah. But at the same time, man, like I saw a few dudes just completely disrespect the umpire and act like the umpires want to be doing that. Right. It's the last right. thing in the world. The umpires want to be doing right. is checking dudes, fingers and gloves and all that stuff. Belt. Yeah. Checking their belts, doing the whole thing. And when the dude uh, pulled the belt off, dropped his pants the other day. That was the one I was just like any any threw his he threw his glove yes and his and his uh, hat at the ump's feet and made him pick it up off kicked, the ground. That would be funny if they kicked him out. He should have got tossed for that. I mean, just blatantly disrespecting a grown man that doesn't want to be doing it either. I bet if they do it two weeks into this thing, somebody would get tossed doing yeah. that. All right, it's like, yeah. are you know this is coming? So yeah, you now you're just being an ass. Yeah, Eric. Let's hear from today's sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I tell you what, man, there's there's been some pretty dramatic decreases in spin rate. Some And some, some big numbers going up. Yep. A lot and, more crooked numbers. And to Charlie Morton's credit. His spin rate did not go down, and he threw more curveballs than ever in his yep. first start at 45. Yeah. Huge spin rate. I talked to him yesterday here in Cincinnati for the game, just casually talking to him about his spin rate and all that. And he was talking about how he's always been able to spin his curve, and, and he didn't realize the importance of it, though, until nope. they started having the slow-mo, putting the, the numbers up. Yeah, yeah, starting having the measurements. And he's like, Jesus, why didn't I throw more curveballs when I've got – he didn't realize how much better his spin rate was than other guys. Yep. So he didn't really focus on the curveball early enough in his career like he should have. But he said, Well, he and that's have. that's the encouraging thing about Charlie. Mm-hmm. You know, you you lose your arm strength, you lose your athleticism. But if you've got that feel for how to spin a ball, that's something you never really lose. Uh-huh. And he's gonna have it. I mean, he's yeah. he's spinning it like he said, I can spin it as hard now as I ever could. Yep. And I looked, I asked him, I said, do you have like huge fingers or something? Long fingers? And no, nah, he's for a guy, you know, six foot four. He's got like normal size hands, showed me and everything. It's just something he can do. It's just a feel thing. It's yeah. it's ability to manipulate the ball. The guy's got it. The Reds got a guy, Sean Doolittle, who, I mean, yeah. he cannot figure if he had a slider, he'd be one of the, maybe not now because he's lost some velo on his fastball. But he had one of those invisibles, and he would just blow it by it. You know, 93, 94, good fastball, but nothing crazy. He would blow yeah. it by everybody because he had such a good fastball with such good backspin on it. But we'd mess with him every day and try to teach him how to throw a slider or a breaking ball. And he'd just reach out like he was turning a doorknob. Yeah. You know, like he couldn't get the feel for throwing the front of the ball because he was so good at staying behind it. Yeah. But there's certain guys that, like, they their, their brain just can't register – you know, the arm action and how to hold the ball and how to release it to get that really tight spin. And there's other guys like Charlie who it's, it's, it's just like second nature. Wow. That's pretty cool. That's fascinating. What guys can do with the ball. Um, yeah. Anyway, the other thing with the Nats, I think that uh, makes them a little formidable potentially is that Trey, Trey Turner's been playing great. I mean, he's playing at an all-star level. He's just a really damn good player. He's a good but player. They're doing what they're doing, not only without Strasburg, but Juan Soto has been pedestrian this year. And I don't think there's any way. It's kind of like Freddie. You know he's going to eventually get hot. Yeah. Freddie's showing signs of that lately. I'm expecting Soto to have a huge second half. I mean, we've seen him now. It's three years. It's nothing fluky about what he does. No. And his performance last year compared to this year, I, I, I think he's going to take off. And if he, he's still if, hitting, he's still hitting 277. Like he's not terrible. But you for know, him, but you just for him, he's, he's 300 he's, hitter with power. Yeah. yeah, he'll probably hit 340 in the second half. It won't surprise me if they could keep Schwarber going, mm-hmm. Turner doing what he's doing. That offense could be, it could be pretty scary, man. We'll see. We'll see. The division is uh, the division race is wide open, as Charlotte said yesterday. He feels good about where they are. You know, the turn they've made, the bet despite the last two nights when they had to start Kyle Wright because of an injury and they had to go to bullpen game last night. Yeah. So they look bad on those nights. You know, the Braves are going to look bad on nights like that. Wright pitch pitching terribly bullpen game last night. They actually stayed in it with Jesse Chavez mm-hmm. starting with Roark pitching. And they actually stayed in the game till late. Matzik had a bad outing. Matzik, uh, his spin rates down. I don't know, you know, if he's to what's going on with him, but he didn't look very good. Uh, you know, Shane Green hasn't looked – or not Shane Green. Chris Martin had had a kind of a mediocre night for him. He was getting hit. Just, uh, you know, t- to see the score and the fact they were in the game until late, until the end almost. Uh, but there's the last two nights notwithstanding, the Braves feel good about where they are. They've been pitching a lot better. They had a stretch where they won five out of seven and gave up 14 runs in that span. That was it. Yeah, they uh, played great against the Mets. Yeah, yeah. So – um. So, so, so last night, uh, Charlie tells me he feels good about where they are. He goes, but everybody kind of getting that, it seems like, in the division, feeling pretty good about where they are right now. So, as he said, anybody can win this thing. I just, you know, I wouldn't uh, 
I would have taken that bet if you told me the Braves were going to be in fourth place in late June. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just, this isn't how you saw the season going. No, but, not at all. I mean, not in any way. We're kind of um, like a broken record talking about us being early, but they still, I mean, five and a half back. Still not halfway yet. Yeah. And don't forget the Phillies. I, the thing is about the Phillies, they don't do anything exceptionally well. They're right in the middle middle of the Major League pack. Pitching, hitting. Bryce Harper's not one of the superstars of the game right now. I know he's regarded as that because of reputation, image, and all, but he's not. He's not one of the best players in the game right now. But he can have a – he can get on a tear. Real Muto can get on a tear. And the thing I think that makes them potentially a threat is, believe it or not, President of Baseball Ops, Dave Dombrowski, because he has shown with the with the Marlins first when they were the Florida Marlins, with the Tigers and with the Red Sox, that he, unlike a lot of these younger GMs, is not caught up in prospects. He will put nope. them all on the table, all chips in to go for it if he thinks his team can win. And he's at the point now in his career, I don't think he's looking at going another five years. He's he's getting old for a, pre, for a GM, you know? Yeah. And I know he'd like to win one again. So if he thought – if he thought they could do it this year without, you know, it'd still be pretty good next year. If the ownership would tell him, hey, we can fill in some some holes in, with free agency in the offseason, go ahead. If you think we can get there, trade what prospects we have left and, and making a couple of big moves. It won't surprise me if they do it. Well, if you're willing to do it, too, you don't you don't have nearly as much competition as you did in the past. Yeah. For those guys and trade. Nobody's willing to give up prospects. Exactly. So if you are willing to, I mean, you really don't have to give up nearly as much as you did in the past. I mean, the, the way they value it has just completely changed. You know, prospects are like the golden currency, but yep. I don't know. I mean, if you got a chance to win now, I'd, I'd burn down every, if I was a GM, I'd burn it down every time if we had a good team, you know, trying to make it happen. And he's old school like that. And he's yeah. old school like that. He didn't, he ain't worried about, you know, five years from now. No. Never, he never has been, even when he was a GM in his 40s. <laughs> and he went from being the youngest GM to one of the old, maybe the oldest right now. And he hasn't changed who he is. So we'll see. We'll see what as the deadline gets near. It's going to be interesting to see a lot of things as the deadline gets near, and most notably the Braves, because that's the team we're most concerned about. It. I think they can do it, but I think they got to make a couple moves. I just don't think they can do it with the team they have right now and rely on getting – Inoa, Soroka, Darno, I think will be back. He's the most reliable of the ones, but I don't, you know, as the, you know, but the, you can't count on the pitchers coming back after all that downtime and being effective down the stretch. No, I mean, I think you, I, I feel pretty good about Inoa coming back because he didn't really have a baseball related injury. You know, I mean, you, you hit your hand on something. Right. He might be a little rusty when he comes back, but. I mean that was that was a big blow that we big don't talk club. about enough losing big him because you know losing Soroka pitcher. yeah he was when he got hurt he was, he was the best pitcher yeah so I mean that hurts pretty bad but overall I mean this if this team's playing like they're capable of they're probably in first place right now you know just doing the things oh, they're yeah. supposed to do if they're playing but, like they're capable even with even with Ozuna out they're still capable of being in first place right now if they're doing yeah what they're capable of doing. If Freddie's playing like he normally does, you know, if, uh, if Dansby's having the kind of season that he had last year, if he'd have kept building on that one, if, if, uh, if they're getting, if, if Kyle Wright had built on last season yeah, and Bryce Wilson, he hasn't had many opportunities. That's the other thing I was going to ask you about before we get to these, I got a couple of subjects here. I want to ask you about, but, but John Smoltz said something this morning on, uh, with Dero on, on MLB Network that I thought was really good. And, and I know he's going to sound like an old man from the porch or whatever, but uh, so Smoltz, said, he came along, Glav came along at a time when they, they were lucky in that, in that they came along with teams that weren't contending yeah. for the first place. Those teams were willing to stick a guy, a young kid in the back of the rotation and, and you've talked about this too, and let him absorb the blows of a season, not be looking over his shoulder and think, if I have a bad – game, I'm going to be sent down. They let those guys pitch with five, six, seven ERAs for sustained stretches and work through it all. We're not getting that with the Braves mm-hmm. or most any team right now that's in a that's in a spot to contend jerks these guys around because they're not willing to ride it with these guys. They look at, if you don't do it, you're going back down. Somebody else is going to come back up. 
and and they work the the, the hell out of that shuttle between AAA and the Bray and and the majors. The Braves can do it because their AAA team's right there, so they even easier for them to do it. Yep. They do it all the time, even during COVID, they can do this stuff. But what do you think about what Smoltzy said about a guy like Kyle Wright, for instance? Right now, Kyle Wright looks lost, man. And I and and Smoltzy was was insinuating that a lot of it is how he's been used, back and forth, back and forth. Never it's really able hard. To- it's really hard. I mean that. That pressure of if I don't perform, um, you see it in bad bullpens. Yeah, yeah. Just just to kind of like associate it with like you know my perspective. You see it in bad bullpens when you have a bad game as a reliever. You know the managers that take a reliever that he's hot and then he blows a game in the eighth and then he doesn't pitch for a week. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, there's this extra pressure. You know, if I fail, I'm losing my job. And the the managers that are bad at running bullpens, they give up on their guys too quick. And then everybody's just in this conga line. You know, you just go go to the back of it every time you struggle. It's kind of the same thing for starters. If you come up and you struggle and you're going back to AAA, all these guys want to do is be in the big leagues. Yeah. That's all, that's all anyone wants to do is, is be in the big leagues. And so, you know, pitching well is great, but staying in the big leagues is the ultimate goal and building a career out of it. And so you're looking at this whole career. You're not just looking at today's game. And you give up two in the first, you're like, shit, I'm back on the bus tomorrow. Yeah. You know, so it's 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 added pressure and it's a distraction, but it's tough, you know. I mean, that's what that's what I thought with Tukey too. Is that yes. you know, if he could have just been or look at the Marlins, look at what they're doing. They're they're not in a position where they're trying to win anything. So they can give all these young starters start after start after start. They hit a couple bumps in the road. They get another start to figure it out and clean it up instead of going down to AAA and cleaning it up mm-hmm. and you make your corrections but you still come up and you don't know if those corrections play in the big leagues. Right. So it's, it, you're still doubting yourself. You're still kind of starting right back where you left yep. off. Um, I think with him, you know, I see him and it's like, it's, it's mental, you know, you, yeah. he makes, no he doubt. throws a bastard slider. The dude takes a terrible swing on it. I mean, he shows a good fastball. He locates and then he hangs one and it gets crushed. And then from there, it, it all just kind of spirals and, yeah, you can tell it's like when he pitches, it feels like game seven of the World Series every time. Yeah, And there's there's a lot of benefit to pitching in the big leagues without pressure and and proving to yourself and proving to everybody that you belong there versus having one bad game and just riding that bus back. And And to add to that, not only do they go back down and have to pitch well to come back up, <laughs> but yeah. They have to hit the timing has to be fortunate in that it's when somebody gets hurt with the big league team or they move a one to move a guy back for a day or two. It's whoever's in line at the triple A team to start that day. So you might be yep. pitching much better than everybody else down there. But if you just pitch two days earlier, yep. It's or not your turn. It's not your turn. So you're not going to, so you got that on top of you. I got to pitch really well to get another chance and it's got to be my day. Or if I just pitched two days ago, I'm not going to get that chance to go up and plug in that one start and show I can do it. Yep. And every time you get sent down, you might never get back up. Yeah. You know, that's the reality of it. If you go down to AAA and struggle after that. So it's like, you know, it's just such a huge opportunity every time you start. It's it's just a natural tendency for guys to just make it a bigger deal than it is. You know, I mean, uh, in all honesty, Kyle's going to get another chance. Each time he comes up, it seems like he's going to get another chance, but you never know which one's going to be your last. Yeah, and then and guys like that. I mean, it's a catch twenty two because you want to keep guys you think can become good, really good pitchers, but at the same time you keep them too long and they lose all trade value. So then you trade them for get, get nothing, nothing and they turn into Charlie Morton. And, <laughs> and then they de- and then they develop when they go elsewhere, you know, because yep. they get a chance. They go to a bad team or they just yep. or they finally put it together and go on a sustained run for three or four starts and, and cement a spot in a rotation. So. Is it going to shock me if Kyle Wright gets traded, they get almost nothing back in return, and he goes somewhere else and becomes a much better pitcher? No, it's not going to shock me at all. No. And that, that would be the hardest part about being a GM, too, yeah. is you can watch Kyle Wright pitch, and you can say there's no reason this dude shouldn't be a number two or three starter right now with, with yeah. the stuff he has. Right. And and you know, you know, if I if I give up on that, you can sit there and think like it's just not going to work out here because he's already got that cloud over him. Yeah. Every time he comes up, he's already got that cloud. Everybody's got their expectations. As soon as he struggles, it's here we go again. Everybody wants to give up on him, and you can see that as a GM too. But then you trade him, and he gets that fresh start, and you look like an idiot. So then, and then the worst thing is, it's like 
I don't know what's worse to trade a guy like Adam Wainwright, who's a top prospect who never really got a shot with the Braves because they, they were going for it and they traded him. He's got JD drew. He goes somewhere and haunts you for over a decade. Right. But at least you did, you, you did not, if you trade a Kyle Wright, if you're trading him, his trade value is way down. He has struggled here. And then if he goes somewhere else, not only did you trade him and get nothing in return, he goes somewhere else and he gets good. And then your coaches and your development staff look like they don't know what they're doing either. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like, that's why I think we've talked about this the last three years, the last two years we talked about, it. you got to decide you're, you're in inside the organization. Your guys watch these guys every day in the minor leagues. You've got eight pitching prospects. You've got to decide which of the five or six that we must keep. Yep. And which are the two that we're willing to trade? And you can't wait till they either fall on their face or get hurt to try to trade them. Or they start to lose trade value, period. You just can't. That's what you get paid to do. Yeah, And you, and you can't hold on to all the prospects. you got to take a risk. Like you said, you've got to take a risk. And some of these guys might come back to haunt you. But it's better than losing like Gohara when you could have traded him. And he ends up leaving the game, you know, hurt and all yeah. that later. There was a point where you could have got a lot for him in return. You could have got a lot for Kyle Wright. Couple yeah. years ago, a couple years ago, that's and, Tukey. and that's Tukey. It's the same thing. Same with Tukey. Yeah, like he, I could see it in Kyle's eyes after he gave up a couple early. You know, you yeah. could see it on his face that he was just that he was defeated already. And you still got. I mean, you could still turn it into a good start, but he's he's so used to mm-hmm. he's getting used to the struggle now. And his you know, comments and after the game sounded like that too. They were yeah. almost like I had nothing from the get go. I had no fastball command. My slaughter flattened out. That's just nothing. It was wasn't good. It was like that's not what he used to sound like. He used to be energetic even afterwards, like he was angry at himself and he and he yeah. did not doubt himself at all, even if he just sucked. And I also heard it in his comments when they actually before when they called him up before the start, he was talking about how much fun he had enjoying his time in AAA with a good group of guys and all that down there. I'm like. Before they would have only talked about how bad they wanted to get back here. He was talking yeah. about having fun down there. I mean, like yeah. that was the, like that was something that they aimed for, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, you want to, you always want to, you want to have fun. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, for him but to, you want to pump your teammates up too and, and right. compliment them. And you don't really know what else yeah, to say. True. But I mean, I feel bad for the guy. I really I good too. guy. He's a sharp guy, but I just think right now, I don't, I, I don't know that he can do it here if he don't, because I don't see them ever sticking him in the rotation like Smoltzy said and letting him get ten starts regardless of how he does. That ain't going to well, happen here as long as they. You can't. Yeah. You you can't do that when you're trying to win a division. Yeah. You're already kind of scuffling and it's, it's kind of go in a row. time. You won three in a row. You're not ready to wave the white flag. You know. That's what he needs, though. So that that's that's why it's a catch twenty two because he needs yep. to go somewhere where he can he can pitch without his career on the line. He can he can throw yep. five innings, give up four runs, but he can get into some jams. You know, he can get he can he can have that point where his outing could fall apart mm-hmm. and get to battle through it versus just getting the hook because we're trying to win the division. Right. You know, he can he can get to go through those struggles, and that's where you get your confidence. Is is yep. when you like if you watch Chavez. Chavez has nothing to lose. Yeah, he's been he's been he's been through it all. He's been released. He's been yeah. mop up dude. Like he's been through everything you can go through in the game. He gets runners on second and third, one out. Yesterday, I'm pretty sure it was. Yeah, I think it was second and third, one out, punches out the next two dudes, and it because he's been through it so many times. He can have that. Well, if I get released again, I'll just right. keep chucking again. You know, he yeah. knows that there's going to be another opportunity, and if there's not whatever it's been a good ride yeah. but it's, it, you can't have that perspective when you're a young guy and you're trying to build it you know i mean yeah and and they and they won't let you ride through that game because they can't even sacrifice one game you know they don't nope. they're not willing to do that unless it's just, no. unless somebody hits a grand slam and it's six nothing in the seventh inning and you're like okay um all right moving on speaking of kyle schwerber his previous team the cubs what about your boy dirty c craig Timber? dirty craig dirty craig had no clue He's having the bounce back season that a lot of us, you not included, but I was one of them, wondered if he still had in him in his past, well past 30. Last night was classic Kimbrell. This whole year has been classic Kimbrell, yeah. but classic in all respects last night in that he comes in after starter Zach Davies and two relievers <laughs> and got through eight innings. No, no hits allowed. Craig comes in, finishes off the seventh major league no-hitter of the season. That doesn't even include Bumgarner's seven-inning no-hitter against the Braves, which is an official no-hitter. But 
Kimbrell had no idea that the that the uh, Cubs had not allowed a hit. <laughs> and so his teammates <laughs> pour out there to celebrate. And he's like, what the hell, man? <laughs> I saw him roughing him up and shaking him around, you know, like he, then he started smiling and getting it. But the last pitch of the game, he kind of just acted like, you know, yeah. this is just what I do. Another save. Yeah. He got his three punches. So he was happy. That probably didn't surprise you, though, right? Not a bit. Not one bit. <laughs> that's that's kind of correct. Give him right there, isn't it? That's Craig in a nutshell, but it, that's, that's part of why he's so good Yeah, because he is just focused on doing his job and oblivious he's oblivious to all that around him. It's a blessing. You got any stories of him like that? Uh, situations where he just, uh, for good or bad, just uh, wasn't, I guess it would always be good. He just enters a game. I just think of him getting in a game, either in a bad situation, usually he was starting to end and clean, but they, but the, but they would load the bases with against him with none or one outs, and he's still pitching the same way as ever. It's like he can get out of this. So oh, no, you're not worried at all when he does. Smoltz could get out of that when he yeah. was a closer, and Craig Kimbrell could get out of that. And I haven't covered anybody else that can do that on a regular basis. Well, he's Craig, got balls. He's Craig got could balls. Get out of it. He doesn't feel the pressure. He always believes in himself, and that that's you know this goes back to the mindset I'm talking about. But I mean, I just remember this. This is when we coined the phrase Craig versus Kimbrell. Because yeah. his stuff was so nasty, it did. It wasn't really up to the hitters. It was just if Craig could throw three strikes before he right. threw four balls, you were out. <laughs> so it was Craig versus Kimbrell. And he was pitching against the Royals or somebody. And I, it was like he loaded the bases walking dudes. And it was extra. It was a big game for us. It was extra innings. And he winds up striking out the side. And we were just like, nobody else can do that. And, and it was yeah. terrible swings. But we watched him every time. It was almost like after his outings, if he struck out one, he was kind of pissed because yeah. he was so damn good. But yeah, I mean, for me, I'm, I'm just excited to see because you kind of forget about guys quick. I'm excited and I'm happy that the, everyone around the league is now getting to see what we saw for yeah. six years in Atlanta, that the dude is just on another level when he's locked in probably the best, uh, he probably the historic. best. Oh yeah, career. like the best I'd I'd never seen anything yeah. like it since, and he's doing it again. But yeah. the best story I remember having was he came into Philly. Rossi was catching, and he just started throwing balls off the backstop, like all over the place. And Rossi jogs out to the mound and asked him, like, "Hey man, you know what's going on? Are you all right?" And Kimbrel's like, "Yeah, I just I grabbed the wrong gum. He grabbed like the sugar free gum instead of the sugared gum." <laughs> And the sugar gum has like more stickiness, you know, more tack to it. So he was saying, you know, whatever, I grabbed the wrong gum. And so Rossi's like, dude, this is the major leagues. I need you to lock in and get out of this. Kimbrell locks in and gets out of the inning. But I mean, like just the simple stuff with him that he could be distracted with and and then lock in when he needed to. He winds up getting out of the inning. But That's yeah, hilarious. he's a he's a different cat. That's uh, it's funny because Charlie said yesterday, told me that uh, he chews gum because he gets kind of anxious when he pitches and his mouth gets dry. So he chews yeah. gum to get some spit going because like you, he has, he has to get, yeah. he, he uses the spit to get yeah. with the rosin. The to get tacky. Yeah. So that's why he chomps on gum. But uh, um, you're talking about Craig Kimball season. He's 33 now. He was coming off. I mean, he was, bad the last two years. And I thought he was pretty much done. He's coming off back to back career worst years. I know he had all kinds of stuff going on at home. That's that. that's kind of, I think he had a lot going on at home. Yeah. 6.0 ERA and 41 appearances over those two years span, including the shortened season last year, 15 saves, 58 strikeouts, but he had 24 walks and 11 home runs allowed in 36 innings over those two years combined. Right. So now look at this year, 33 years old, 0.59 ERA. That would be his best since the 0.44 he had when they called him up. Yep. For 21 appearances in 2010. Right. When he wasn't. It was like 21 yet. appearances, 40 walks, and 50 strikeouts. He had some crazy numbers that it first was year. Ridiculous. Yeah. And it wasn't even the closer until the end when Wags got hurt. But uh, that would be his best ERA since then. It would be even better than the one. He had the jaw-dropping 1.01 ERA with your Braves in 2012 with Oventbro, with you and Johnny Venters killing teams at the back of games. That that year, uh, this would be even better than that at the current pace, obviously. He's got tw- he's re- converted 20 of 22 saves. 
has 52 strikeouts, 10 walks, one home run allowed in 30 and a third innings. Eric, he's given up 10 hits and two earned runs all season. We're almost at the halfway point. That's that's who he is. You know, and I think I'd asked Rossi about it. I, I just asked him, like, what Kimbrel change or was it the balls or what's going on? He just said he said it was a small mechanical tweak. He's just gathering more at the top. Uh-huh. And that's what I talk about all the time when you see guys that can go from having a six ERA to being the best pitcher in the league. That's that's how hard baseball is. That one little tiny adjustment with a dude like Craig Kimbrell, you'd think you'd think if his mechanics were a little off or something was a little different, he'd he'd be yeah. good for a two nine ERA yeah. instead of a six. But you know, with baseball, it's just these tiny little tweaks. A dude can go from being an all star to you're thinking he's out of the league. Yeah. And then he fixes it, makes the right adjustment, and all of a sudden he's Craig Kimbrell again. I mean, that's baseball. That's why it's so hard to coach. His past 12 games, he's allowed two hits, two <laughs> walks, 20 strikeouts, no runs, 056 opponents batting average, and a 111 opponent slug last 12 games. Probably like a point two with dominance. Yeah. Um, it's good to see him back. Yeah, it is. And he's in great shape. Looks a little thinner than before. Uh, he, he just looks great, man. Throwing a little harder than he did the last two years. At least, at least the long what hair I've now. Seen. Yeah, yeah. I barely recognize him with that long hair. Uh, Better than that beard he had. That beard was yes, terrible. <laughs> yes, didn't look good on him. Didn't have the kind of hair for that. Ginger, and it wasn't a thick one. But anyway, speaking of Rossi, Rossi became, this is one of those uh, arcane or, or uh those stats that you're like, huh? Somebody keeps track of that. But our, Rossi last night became the third person to catch a no hitter and then manage multiple no hitters, according to uh, Yes Network research. Uh, he joined Bill Kerrigan and Mike Sosha. He caught Jake Arietta's no hitter against the Reds, April 21st, 2016. That doesn't surprise me. Get those two together. And he Arietta also, was nasty back in that year. He was the best pitcher in baseball. Yep. And he also managed Alec Mills' no hitter against the Brewers on last year on September 13th. So, big the big blow last night for the Cubs, Wilson Contreras, older brother of the Braves, William Contreras, had a two run homer in the sixth inning. And Rossi noted that in the hell that said he caught a hell of a game. Said he really ran a great game. Meanwhile, younger bro William with the with the Braves, he's had some struggles lately. We got to keep in mind, this is a guy that they wanted and fully intended to have in AAA all year. They said he needs yeah. it. He can. I've been really impressed with him. I think he's got terrific potential, especially as one of the better hitting catchers potentially in the league. But you can also tell they could have really benefited from a year, another year in minors, because he barely he's barely caught in the high minors at all. 60 games before in the high minors before he's thrust into yeah. the big league regular role. But his last 10 games. He's three for 31. He's piling up strikeouts. He's got one RBI in that stretch with a solo homer. And he's doing this while obviously trying to learn all these pitchers, all these new pitchers, learning how to call games, and learning this damn technique with the one knee, which I think is <laughs> terrible timing for him. I don't like the one knee anyway. A lot of people don't. I don't like it. But for him, he's caught one way his whole career, and all of a sudden he's trying to catch with one knee. Now they're using both for him, let him do some squatting, traditional style, but also some one knee. I just think it was a bad time to have all that piled onto his plate when he's got all this other stuff being a first-year catcher in the big leagues. I didn't know he wasn't a one-knee guy. That's something that the team's the team's pushing? Yeah. This is Travis Flowers and Sal Fasano are teaching it like almost every team in the big leagues is. But they want their guys to do it. I think they should have just told him, for this year, do what you're comfortable with, man. Why would they? I just don't understand it. I really That's don't, a lot see, to have on I don't see the benefit of it. That that and and also you know a lot of the turnover it, with the pitching staff you know lots of new guys yeah. it, it helps so much when you're familiar with the catcher and it helps so much for the catcher to be familiar with you you know it's to like know a what new guy pitches. every day man yeah you have to know like the hardest thing I think for a catcher is knowing what pitches a guy can make because there's a lot of times where there's the right pitch to call right now mm-hmm. but he can't execute it yeah so it's not the right pitch right. and. If you just go by the scouting reports and the books and what's what's right to throw here, you might call that cutter in 3-2 if he makes the pitch. But if he throws it middle, it's going to yeah. be a homer. And that that's not knowing the guys. I, I think that's probably the hardest thing for, for Williams right now is you get a new pitcher each time. 
you know, it, it, being comfortable with the staff and, and, and having time to learn them is one thing, but it takes a really savvy catcher to figure that out in a hurry, which guys can make which pitches. And then he's trying to do one knee on top of that. I didn't know that he didn't come up doing that. I thought that was something he was, he was brought up doing. Yeah. And, and it's one thing, you know, when they bring up a minor league guy that he's caught in the minors, so he's caught a lot of these guys in the minors, but they're bringing in all these dude relievers and guys like last night, Jesse Chavez starts the game. Roar comes in. He's never caught these guys, you know, it's a whole different guy. And, and, and the first time he's caught him is in the game. So that's the worst because the catcher's almost looking at you like, yeah, what do you, what like do you want to here? throw? And if yeah. you got young guys, they're like, well, I don't know what I want to throw here. Right. Like, you're kind of supposed to guide me through this. And then you got both guys guessing. That's why I think as good as Contreras has been, and I like his. I think I'm more encouraged now about him than I've ever been for the long term. I think he could him Langoliers. I think uh, it'll be interesting to see those two battle for the lead job, whichever the way they decide to go. But those two could be really good together for a year or two, you know, before they do go with one of them. But anyway, we'll see. But uh, I think Darno, if he can come back in late August, could really be a boon for the Braves down the stretch. Not only does he know all these pitchers and is more confident calling games. But his bat, we got to remember how steady his bat is. I know he started slow this year, but it was barely into the season before he got He hurt. always hits. He won a Silver Slugger Award last year over Real yeah. Muto and everybody else in the in the National League. Best hitting catcher in the league. So to add that bat and that uh, that experience behind the plate, if, it, if he's ready in late August, which I think he will be, that could be huge. So Nobody's ever questioned his bat. Right. It's when always he's healthy, just been staying he healthy. Yeah. yeah. Guys, let's take a quick break, and then we'll finish up the show. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not preach you and your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not preach you and your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Here's the last thing I wanted to ask you about. Speaking of, you brought up Chavez. The Braves added a couple of uh, a couple of veteran, well-traveled relievers on Thursday. They'd bring, they had to add both of them to the 40-man to begin with. And they brought them both up. And Chavez, Jesse Chavez, started the game last night as the opener, went two and a third innings. Tanner Roark got in the game. They, uh, Chavez is 37 now. He was your teammate in 2010 in the Braves before the Braves traded him to KC. And before I read his comments last night, post game about you and the rest of those guys on that team, I want to ask you what you recall about the then 26 year old Chavez who had a 5.89 ERA in 28 appearances for you guys that year before you traded him to KC. I mean, he had good stuff. He didn't have that cutter though. Right. You know, I mean, and he was, he was another guy who was in that role of just bouncing up and down, bouncing up and down for him. His big break was when he went to Oakland and they, they had him kind of go long a lot. And then they, they let him start. Mm-hmm. I mean, he never got that opportunity to start and he turned, he turned his whole career into a good damn career. You know uh-huh. I mean? He could have been easily out of the game in a year or two doing what he was doing for us, but he always had a rubber arm and, and he had balls. Yeah. You know, you, he was one of those guys that no situation really phased him. So he was the perfect guy to handle that up and down, mm-hmm. you know, the bouncing around type of thing. It never seemed to really get in his face. And I mean, he had a 96 mile an hour fastball. I saw him when I was in double A and he was throwing 99 in Frisco. And I was like, who is this dude? Uh-huh. We looked him up. We thought he was probably a first rounder. He was like a 44th round pick. Skinny, you know, yeah. d- doesn't yeah. lift, doesn't do anything, just knows how to leverage well. He's, he's always been kind of a, just a freak of nature. I'm so not he's surprised a, he's still pitching, but it's he's been doing it a long time. He's up on that team in 2010. You had, I mean, you had some guys there. You had Billy Wagner, Saito, Moilo, Johnny V, 
you in the rotation, you had Huddy, D'Lo, Med, Hanson, Jurgens. Um, we had Proctor and Farnsworth down there for Pro- some muscle yes, too. <laughs> yes, yeah, Proctor, yeah. Um, so last night he's the opener. He pitches the opener for the Braves. They bring him up. He goes two and a third inch, two hits, two runs, one walk, three strikeouts. He had some. He looked. He looked like he could help this team over the course of the rest. Oh, he of the can. Year. He's yeah. a valuable guy to have. Yeah, you need a guy like that. And here's what he said afterwards. Tuiasa Sopo had told him the night before, thought he was going to get the doubleheader, and he didn't get in. And Tuiasa Sopo told him afterwards, "You're coming up. You're going to the big leagues." And uh, he, ironically, he comes back to in Cincinnati, where where he was when the Braves traded him to the Royals all those years ago. Bowman and I were talking about that. We remember it clearly the day that he got traded. It was the day that Prado got hurt. Yep. Same day Prado got hurt sliding. Um, here's what he said last night after the game. He said, it's kind of fun to hear the word that I'm coming back to the team that I left that I didn't want to leave. It's so early in my career. So many great people in my ear talking about that 2010 team behind me. They had my back from the teammates to the coaches and then to go, to get traded, it's kind of like, man, I wonder what it could have been. And then we ask him, who in particular had you back on that team? You know, he goes, I mean, from Bobby, Bobby Cox, obviously, to Roger McDowell, he's a pitching coach, to Huddy, to D'Lo, to Billy Wagner, to Saito, to Moylan, to O'Flaherty, to McCann, to Ross. All of us were so together that year, and it was it was great. That That was the first time I realized that no matter win or lose – as long as you're all in it together, it doesn't matter. It makes coming up to the it makes coming to the field every single day that much better. So that's what I've learned from that team, and I've tried to instill ever since then. Yep. How's that make I you mean, feel, man? Same team taught me that. You know, I was I was only two two years into two and a half years into my career at that point too. But uh-huh. I mean that going going and playing for for that team, it changed my whole career because it you know when I was when I was with Seattle, it was like a job. Yeah. And everybody was pissed off and grumpy. You know, it was that that old school baseball atmosphere. I yeah. came to I yeah. came to Atlanta and all of a sudden, like the first thing that happened was Bobby handed me his shoes off his feet because I forgot my shower shoes. That's a great story, man. I was like, whoa, I still got them. I, I might have them right here. That's a great story. Yeah, I still got them right here. See those? Wow. Look how beat up they are. I wore them almost my whole career. Wow. Came right off of Bobby's. Look how gross they are. <laughs> but I mean that that that's kind Those of what kicked shoes it off. Could talk. <laughs> yeah. They yeah. But he handed me handed me shoes right off his feet and I went to that group of dudes, you know, B Max coming up to me and talking to me like a peer instead of, you know, some bitch ass rookie yeah. that he doesn't have time for. Um that whole group though, you know, I mean it's it's just, it's incredible what a veteran, the confidence a veteran can give a young guy. Just talking to him and telling him, like, you're good enough to be here and, and helping him believe in himself. I went from having no confidence in Seattle and just coming over and getting a couple quick tips from BMAC and guys having my back. All of a sudden, it was like, shit, my whole career just took off. Yeah. Just from being with the right group of guys. That's, uh, I said, uh, so I asked him, I said, I said, what is it like? Because all the guys you just mentioned, you're the only one still pitching, what, uh, still playing. I said, what's it like to be the only one from that group that's still in the game? And Tui's his manager? Tui's his manager. Tui's three, four years younger than him. He's managing him. Yeah. He said, he said it's pretty cool. Now I get to play with Freddie. I know he came up at the end of that year, 2010. I get to put the uniform on with him now. But those other guys were at the middle to the end of their careers. So it was great. I can't express how many in, in how many words I use what those guys meant to me to instill me in me to be around to the, the to be to this day that's allowed him to be around to this day. Said I don't think without that leadership that I was around early in my career as being so much uh, as being so much of a hothead space cadet back then that it kind of helped me harness it and learn each and every day, which is what they were about. Yep, that was a special. Even anybody on that team, that that group of dudes, that was the only team I'd been on that, you know, if you if you're on a team now, it's probably even harder. But somebody'd say, hey, you know, you pull into Philly, and somebody say, hey, we're going to Del Frisco's. 
Yeah. And you would get 24 out of the 25 guys sitting at a table. You know, yeah. that was the only team I've been on like that. I think, you know, if we didn't have Billy and Chipper get hurt in the playoffs, we'd probably go pretty deep that year too. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah, that's I thought the team was going to go. That He lost it uh, to San Francisco, right, first round? Yep. After Wags got hurt. Wags was uh, out. Chipper was out. Troy yeah. Gloss was playing third right. base. Got it. Yep, yep. Prado, the Prado name, was right? hurt too, I think. We were banged yeah. up and still gave the Giants a run for their money. They won the whole thing. I always look back at that like, man, yeah. what would have happened if we were healthy? Uh, just asked uh, Chavez about the uh, talent that's here on this team. You know, the young talent and all that. He said, oh, it's impressive to watch. Watching it from down there, meaning at AAA. Seeing the possibilities of what guys are going to be able to do for the long run here and not just the short term. He said, it's going to be a blessing to see. You You guys have seen it for a few years now, talking about the reporters. Because once you see it all come together, it's going to be beautiful. And he said he tries to do the same things that those guys did on that. You guys did in 2010 with him. He tries to do nowadays with young guys that he tries to impart, you know, pass it forward like uh, the guys did to him back then. Pretty cool. That keeps on going. Yeah, you don't want that to die. That That's kind of the stuff that, you know, you're, you're hearing a guy testify that it changed his whole career being around guys like Billy Wagner and stuff. And I think that's one of the things that Kelly was talking about it too, but that's tough yeah. that so many teams are just letting a guy like, you know, that's still got something left to contribute that could be on your yes. bench, like Sandoval, you know, passing up a guy like Sandoval, where would the team be without him? Right. You know, I think so many teams are missing that angle of building a culture, building a winning culture, um, and just focusing on on the metrics that, you know, I almost think there's going to be an angle there soon. That could be the new money ball is actually understanding a clubhouse. Yeah. 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 And he, uh, he talked about how going back, being able to go back to the Braves, he's been able to go back to a couple of teams that he's been with, a few teams, I think. Uh, and he said he think he hopes that that's kind of a testament to what, how he's matured and developed as a player, and what he's willing, you know, help young guys and all that. That teams want him around, you know. Yep. So. Oh, you if you if you're a dickhead, man, you're yeah. as soon as you struggle, you're out of the game. Yeah, he's out of the game three or four years ago. Yep. That was probably for me. That was the best feeling for me. Was I knew how good I had to have been for how bad the Braves let me suck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they let me be terrible for two years to try to figure it out and get back on track. And I was like, you know, I, I must have been pretty good in the clubhouse, pretty good with the guys, and I must have been pretty damn good at pitching before for yeah. to get this opportunity. You know, I mean, it's kind of like that's the way you get paid back for being a good dude in the clubhouse. All right. Well. Braves got uh, three more games here in Cincinnati, three more chances, and they got their good pitchers lined up, although they are going to give Charlie Morton an extra day. Extra He's not going to go Sunday. That didn't surprise me. Those last two starts were his longest of the year, I think as long as in a couple of years, 117, 100. But the other was 105 or 107, something like that. Anyway, went deep in those games, got the no-hitters deep into those games. So they're just giving him an extra day. Ends up being an extra two days because they don't play Monday. So he'll start Tuesday. That's the day Max Fried's eligible to come off the 10-day, so he'll move back to the next day. And Snit said Max is coming along great, so they think he'll be ready after his thing's ready, the blister. It was good they stopped when they did, that he didn't try to get through a game with that blister. He's learned enough at least not to try to push it. Because, man, I was talking to Charlie yesterday, and he said I he never understood because he never had blister problems. He never understood how serious they can be. And then he was with, with a teammate that had one. And he said it tears off that top layer. And if you keep trying to pitch, you tear off more layers. You get down to where you've got like one layer of skin left before it just starts bleeding everywhere. Yeah. And then you're yeah. out for a long time for the whole thing to, to regenerate. It's, it's serious stuff. I never got them either. My, my skin callus is really Thank quick. Thank God, and, huh? Yeah. I'm glad I didn't ever have to deal with that. But Derek Lowe did. Yeah. Derek Lowe would be in the, in the training room painting this fake skin on his fingers all season long. Yeah. You know, I and, mean – and they don't some let guys you wear skin and they don't let you wear band-aids or well, like not surgical, now. <laughs> surgical glue and all that. So you can't nope. do anything. No. So. All right. That's uh we'll be back here on uh, Monday on the off day to discuss the rest of this red series and where the Braves are coming on, going into their homestand. 755 is real. We're out.
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.